The Inside the Ring podcast presented by InsideTheRink.com. Episode 6, Early Trade Season. Maddie, Smitty, and Connor with you again this week. Uh, and gentlemen, how about the goal by Tim Stutzel in Sweden? Batted it out of the air. They had a great camera angle on one of the uh, social media sites I saw. Uh, right from sort of to the left of the net. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great, such a great goal with two seconds to play. Yeah, and uh, the goalie, was it? Was it James Reimer was the goalie? Was it him? Yeah, Reimer. Yeah, ducked. ducked. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting way to play goaltender. Uh, I'm going to just get out of the way of the puck because this could hit me in the face. So, I mean, we don't want <laughs> we don't want anything like that to happen in the face. <laughs> no. Watch your lips. Yeah. He uh, ducked and the puck went in the net. It certainly did. Uh, it that did. is probably why most goalies <laughs> take the time and they practice having people shoot pucks off their face. Mm. The one caveat is normally people aren't baseball swinging a hockey stick right in front mm. of your eyeballs. Yeah. No. It's a little bit different. No, yeah, that's I mean, probably, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it probably is a natural reaction to have, you know, somebody swinging a bat or something at your head, you're going right. to want right. to duck out of the way. But right. uh, he was kind of far enough away so that I feel like, you know, Maybe you stand tall there and try to make a save, make a, yeah, save, make a stop. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with two seconds ago. I mean, yeah. Just take one. Yeah. Just take one. Right here. Take one. I, I feel like yeah. uh, it was a great play by Stutzel, though. And, and, uh, oh, sure. You know, it's the hand eye coordination of these guys is absolutely it's, fucking it's, amazing it's, it's to insane. me. It really is. How many of them, like, can bat pucks out of the air and yeah. tip shots that are, you know, ninety miles an hour, hundred miles an hour. It's amazing to me. Amazing to yeah, me. How about how about one hundred and seven point nine miles yeah. per hour? Little foreshadowing yeah. right there, maybe. A little foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Sid, how about Sid the other day? He had a tip from the left of the goaltender, like just insane. Yeah. I don't even know how they do it where they're like still getting into position and then someone will take a shot and they like spin and find the puck mm. somehow and still tip right. it home. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, it's incredible, some of the tips. Uh, yeah, so he, uh, Reimer, uh, you know, averted some injury there, which is good. Uh, speaking of which, we have a new segment called On the Shelf for those who were injured, in fact, uh, in the National Hockey League. Now, New Jersey Devils, Nico Heischer, uh, to the IR with an upper body injury, last played on October 27th. He's eligible to return from IR whenever he is ready. The Devils one point out of the wild card spot. Interesting with the emergence of the Washington Capitals, who we'll talk about it later. But the Devils out so far. Yeah, pretty crazy that they're out so far. I mean, Jack Hughes did get hurt, so they're, you know, a little banged up. He's kind of the guy that drives that team. So mm-hmm. uh, you can see that they would slip a little bit with him out of the lineup. And, and uh, I saw that he was back practicing today. So hopefully he'll be back in the lineup pretty soon for them. And, uh, you know, they can turn it around. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of shocking to see them out of it at this point. Yeah, I mean, I had to make. I think I had him win in the cup. Yeah, I think I. I, I, Yeah, I I think I. Yeah, I think I had him in the final finals. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, Anaheim. Trevor Zegers to the IR, lower body injury, eligible to return this evening on eleven seventeen versus the Panthers if he's able. (laughs) 
So Zegris, who uh, we put in the notes as Zebras, is uh, <laughs> correct getting you. But I, I'm such a professional that I caught it in time. Zegris uh, is uh, to the IR. And he's also eligible to return on October 17th, not tonight. Uh, that's also in the notes. But, but hey, you know, we're going <laughs> to. He's in. He's in there. He, he's in there tonight. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He's if he, if he's able tonight. to, if he's able to, he, he may or not. May or may not I'll tell play. you this. How about the how about the young team they got going on there? I mean, they've got some really good players. Leo Carlson, who doesn't play every night, but uh, Mason McTavish has been really yeah. good. Like Pavel Pavel Minchikov, I absolutely love. Yeah. I absolutely love him. Old. Nineteen years old, uh, yeah. puck mover, plays physically, just a really really good player. And uh, you know, he's having a really good rookie year so far too. Plays a ton. Mm. Just a, just a not, yeah. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a he's a Norris guy waiting to happen. I think there. Yeah, About yeah. ten to twelve years ago, there was once upon a time, you know, where everybody on the East Coast would go through California, and it was the murderers' row of teams. It was the Sharks who were really good and mm-hmm. tough, the Kings who were really good, really tough, and then the Ducks who were really good and really tough, and everybody dreaded that California road trip. Mm-hmm. For the last couple of years, I mean, it's been a real easy trip through the West Coast, but I think we're on the verge of seeing at least two of, of three of those cities be another miserable trip. I don't know quite about the Sharks yet, but maybe mm. in another five to six years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Sharks maybe. right now, maybe. that's where you go if you want to improve your stats. You want to you want to pump up your stats. If you're in a mm-hmm. contract year, you hopefully have a lot of San Jose Sharks on the schedule. So. Yeah. Uh, because they are minus yeah. minus forty seven yeah. so far this year, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sharks maybe like Connor said in in a few years. <laughs> in a few years, yeah. yeah. Uh, Washington Capitals uh, red hot, and Nicholas Backstrom is to the long term IR. He has medical problems that could be career ending. Uh, Anthony Mantha is on IR with an upper body. He's set to return Saturday, as is Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who is on IR with a lower body injury. So Capitals getting healthy with those two and also, you know, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, one three in a row. Capitals are playing, re- playing real well out of nowhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's uh, you know, they're, they're – Goals against is really where, you know, you see the major improvement. They were first five, giving up almost four goals a game. The last nine, uh, giving up uh, just two goals a game. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's really, and the penalty kill has been, you know, 100% the last 100%. nine games. So yeah. uh, that's what kind of you, you're looking for. <laughs> Recipe sure. for success, give up less, score more, and have a really good penalty kill. So uh, yeah, score more than the other guys. Yeah, <laughs> power play. Power play has not been the factor. No, uh, it went no. from six point three to eight point oh. So uh, that's that hasn't been great for them. Definitely not going to help you uh, break the Gretzky goal record there with power play that affected. No, right. no, no. That's 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 not going to get it done. Uh, Florida Panthers get Brandon Montour and Aaron Eckblad back from the long-term IR, and uh, Montour and Eckblad will be in the lineup tonight on Friday night for Florida uh, as they um, get two, you know, really good defensemen back. So that'll help them on the back end. Absolutely, will. Uh, you know, they've been having a pretty good start to the season. With um, you know, you would argue that those are their best two guys uh, mm-hmm. on the back end. Sure. So. Um, yeah. you know, a real, real boost to them here, uh, going forward. 
Yeah, and Montour, Montour was fantastic in the playoffs last year, really burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. So, And he hasn't played yet, so that'll be a good uh, pickup for them. Uh, really too bad with Buffalo and Tage Thompson. Uh, double whammy injury out a long time. It says, uh, tried to come back into the game against Boston, then had to leave in the second period again. Did not return. Really big loss for a team that's been a little disappointing. Uh, pretty mediocre to bad recently. And uh, in a tough division where that can go south in a hurry. It certainly can. If you, you know, the, the East is a, a, is a very difficult division, you know, with, you know, Panthers, Lightning, Bruins, Maple Leafs, and then, you know, Detroit's up and coming. Uh, so you, Montreal. too much far south the Sabres can go in this division. They are one right. point out of last place. Yeah. Ottawa is, stay there. Yep. You know. Yeah, no, up the cobwebs in that dungeon. And too. Ottawa had high hopes going into the year too. So I mean, everybody thought they were going to be better, and you know, you run into um, a bunch of teams that uh, are all pretty good. There's no easy nights in that division, and and Buffalo's defense just hasn't been good enough. Their goaltending hasn't been good enough, and then you know you lose a, a star forward like that, and and you're in big trouble quickly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I did see here the Anthony Mantha's injury for Washington. He had his eardrum ruptured by a deflected shot, lost hearing for six days. Uh, that's not something that, uh, unless you have annoying kids, that's a that's a bad stroke of luck. I'm sure his wife and, was uh, thrilled. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. What, honey? <laughs> yeah. That happened to my wife on a plane, actually. She she uh, got some, like, ear infection or something, had some fluid in her ear, and, and couldn't hear for, like, three weeks out of one ear. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of, huh, what, going around the yeah. house. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that gets old in a hurry, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody so knows someone like that. Right. Yes. The only the good thing is you can mumble over your breath and yeah. not under your breath every once in a while. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Boston uh, lost Matty Grizzlick for a while, but he's back, coming back next Saturday. He practiced today with the team, coming off a long-term IR, and that'll be an interesting decision on whether or not they send Mason Lowry back down. I think they probably will to get some more defensive seasoning in Providence. They definitely will. I, I think uh, it, it, it's kind of shown in the games that he's played that his defensive game really isn't up to snuff just yet. Right. He still has the great transition play and, and jumping up into the play offensively where he's dynamite. But in his own end uh, and some of the turnovers he's had, you can definitely see that he needs a little bit more seasoning maybe. I, I wanted him here all year long. I, I said that before. Um, but uh, he definitely seems like he needs you know a little more time down there and, and to you know play a lot of minutes, play in all situations, and, and kind of round out his defensive side of, of his game. Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, I think on on the Bruins side of things, the defense is so deep, right? And like you guys, obviously with the Bruins Benders podcast, you know very well how deep that defense is. Everybody's talking about the Calgary Flames and them being the power brokers of defensemen with Tanev, Hannafin, um, and Zadorov. But I think the Bruins are going to have something to say here. And I agree with your argument that, yes, Lowry could use a little bit more seasoning. But if you look at what they did with Beecher and with Poitras, there is no doubt that they are willing to let some people make mistakes on the way there. 
Um, and with the Bruins cap problems and what some of these other teams in the league, like Edmonton, um, maybe Carolina a little bit with some of the things they're looking at, Vancouver, Toronto, um, New Jersey, they're all out there looking to make a shakeup on their defensive core. And I think the Bruins have two defensemen in the ilk of Derek Forbert and Matt Grizzlick, who make a medium amount of money as far as salary cap goes. That could be really movable assets. And I think Mason Lowry thus far of what I've seen of him, obviously I don't watch every Bruins game at this point. Um, he's been pretty good. And I would say he would be a serviceable rookie defenseman. And if you, you wanted to disagree with me as a Bruins fan, I would argue where is Jakob Zaboral right now and rest my case. <laughs> uh, and the witness protection program. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I will say this, that it's an opportunity to get Grizzly healthy, showcase him some. And if they really want to do it, they, they let him go. I mean, he's a UFA at the end of the year. They're probably not going to resign him anyway. So do you want him to go for nothing at the end of the year and just let him walk like Connor Clifton? Or do you want to try to get something for him? It's an interesting debate. I'm not sure what's you know what's going to happen there. But the, the moral case is interesting because he's he was a first-round pick. He's been there seven years. Uh, was looking like a decent prospect. Tears his ACL. Comes back. Was looking like a decent prospect again. And then ends up on the witness protection program. Like it's just in just nowhere in sight. They brought up Ian Mitchell and Watherspoon and all these guys off the street and don't really give Zaboral a taste. And Do you know why? A free agent Do you know end. the obvious I'm why? Not... What's the obvious why? He makes two to $300,000 more than each one of those other players. Yeah, that you I just mean, listed. I guess that's true, but he doesn't make two or $3 million more. I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, but his entire cap hit is buried in the minor without having any leftover on the NHL oh, okay. roster. Okay. Well, so when somebody point. gets hurt and you're trying to get as close as you can to the cap and use LTIR, those seven hundred and fifty dollars to $925,000 players are... Right, you know the best because if you call up that player who's two three hundred thousand dollars more, you're just right. hurting you know the cap space that you have at the trade deadline. Right. So the it, last, it's also last some year, cap juggling. Last year he plays twenty three games. He sits. He sits many games scratched. Many games, uh, and now he can't play for the probably the reasons you're talking about. So what? Uh, that's kind of a really bad situation for him. Personal and management bad asset management too. Uh, that's probably not talked about enough. But if he doesn't make as you know a ton of money, but it's a first round pick in a draft that you get hammered on, so that's another thing. Uh, all right, two minute minors now, and uh, Alex Ovechkin is tied for with Wayne Gretzky for career empty net goals with fifty six by firing away the best two. Marion Hosa had forty, and Brad Marchand has thirty three in fourth place. So uh, Ovechkin with 56 empty net goals. Yeah, I mean, they put him out there to, to cherry pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he probably yeah. doesn't even play goddamn defense when he's when he's out there no. in the empty net situation. He's probably no. coasting around at center ice being like, yeah. you know, yeah. beaver Just tapping his stick out. on the oh, ice, yeah. you know. Send yeah. it to me. Send it to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Russian or swear words in Russian. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, you know, he's scoring goals. He's, he's definitely not, you know, passing knock to Charlie Coyle the other night for the, for the empty net hat trick. He's, he's keeping you that shit it. all no, to himself, no, all to himself. He's not mm. passing up goals. No, not, not that's for sure. 
Um, all right, the Vegas Golden Knights are on. We're on their uh, White House trip to visit President Biden as the Stanley Cup champs, and they gave him a golden hockey stick. Hopefully, they he doesn't treat it as my as uh, poorly as Patrick Laine treated his stick yesterday <laughs> <laughs> when he kept jamming it into the. Uh, Good luck trying to break that golden bench. stick there. My uh, goodness, yeah. Joe, I don't, yeah, I don't know what Joe's going to do with that thing, or if he even knows it's gold. I don't think he does know it's gold. He may not. I'm not sure he knows a lot of what's going on these these days. He said, God damn, this thing is heavy, eh? Yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah. The Vegas Golden Knights and their golden stick. It's Um, a nice gift, though. Sure. Yeah, it was a nice gift. It was a good idea. I mean, a golden stick, I have no idea where that's going to go. I mean, I can tell uh, you they definitely went above and beyond because normally every other team just gives them a jersey. Yeah. Jersey. You give the president a jersey, then you move on, and you just be right. happy that you know all your players actually show up. Um, one thing that I actually did think was really uh, unique and pretty cool about this is Riley Smith, who was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins, attended the White House visit with the Vegas Golden Knights, mm. and he, Jonathan Marcheseau, and William Carlson took a picture um, on this kind of big chair or sofa, whatever you want to call it, in front of this big mural of Barack Obama and posted it online together. So I thought it was kind of neat that, you know, the Penguins allowed him to go and travel with the the Golden Knights team to the White House. That was unique. I don't know um, if that's ever happened before. If it has, feel free to throw in the comments and let us know the others that have happened. Sure. Don Sweeney, uh, worst trade ever, was involved Riley Smith when he traded uh, Riley Smith for Jimmy Hayes, the late Jimmy Hayes. Yeah. And uh, that and the Zach Ronaldo third-round pick are right up there <laughs> together, uh, smooching right up at the top of that list. Yeah, uh, they are. Look ahead to the 2024 Hall of Fame inductees and who could be inducted into the Hall of Fame Poor Alexander Mogilny is one of them, uh, one of the real mysteries in uh, in human creation, that he is not in the Hall of Fame in for hockey. How about Rod Brendamore is on that list? Pavel Datsuk would have to be a slam dunk, I would assume. Uh, Patrick Aliash, Sergei Gonchar, uh, Curtis Joseph, Ilya Kovalchuk, Patrick Marlowe played the most games in, in the history yeah. of the NHL, Ryan Miller. Uh, Pekka Rene, Keith Kachuk, and Henrik Zetterberg. Yeah, a lot of Russians on there. And for some reason, the Russians don't get a lot of love. Like, McGillney should have been in years and years ago. I don't really understand that. Datsuk will get in. He should be an automatic slam dunk. Um, You know, and then there's some other guys there that that absolutely should be in. I think uh, Gonchar probably has played a ton of games. Has uh, Marlowe should be in. Marlowe, absolutely. I think he leads the... History, NHL history and games played, if I'm not mistaken, yes. right? The history yeah, over 1600, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Eliash is a maybe. I think, like to me, yeah. I think Brindamore's yeah. kind of a maybe based on his career. Yeah. But if you added in the coaching, maybe he gets in. Could, if Kachuk would get in, right? I th- yeah, I mean he's he, he was one of the run the brink. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's he's right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I, you know, guys like Joseph and Miller and Rene, that's going to be a tough one because goalies also get kind of the shaft. They do uh, when it comes to it. Uh, I think they if all they're all in, in, all in the same year. 
I think if they go in, then, then Tuka Rask goes in. I think, you know, other guys should go in if, if we're going to start opening the gates with goalies. Tuka uh, should go in before. the Like, I think he has better yeah. numbers than any of these guys. Oh, he sure does. He sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Potential overtime rules changes. Um, something that we've bantied about on and off screen. But uh, the three-on-three OT, thinking about a half-court type system where if you take it into the zone, you can't take it back outside the blue line on your own. So no rope-a-doping, no going back and and just taking the puck 200 feet back and stalling for time and trying to set things up. I love the idea. I think it keeps you in there. You can't willingly take it back out. Uh, and you lose it. I don't know how you lose it, though, if you lose it with a face-off or if you give it – if you. I don't know, go, they go touch up at the red line and start again. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how many whistles you'd get, but uh, I kind of like that idea of not just sort of dangling the puck for, for minutes on end and then finally going to take a chance two minutes later. Yeah. I think there was uh, also some mention of a possible shot clock where it was, you know, I don't know, 18, 20 seconds and you had to, mm-hmm. you had to shoot. I don't know what they, same thing. I don't know how they would right. enforce that. If it would just be a right. face-off in the other team's zone or something after that, I do like the idea right. of somehow switching it up, though. So I'm I'm in if you want to try this half-court thing or if you want to try a shot clock. They need to do something just to kind of because um, it's it's just a lot. It's not exciting anymore. It used to be exciting. Teams used to try to win. They'd go up and down. There'd be chances both ways. You get that occasionally now. Every once in a while, you'll get a few back and forth. But nine times out of ten, it's like I'm going to circle back. If I don't feel anything, I'm going to go back into the neutral zone. We're going to get a line change. Some new guys are going to come on. We're going to go back behind our own net. We're going to restart the breakout. And by that time, two and a half minutes is gone. You don't even have a shot on goal yet. I mean, it's just not exciting anymore. So they need to do something about it to change it up, in my opinion. Yeah, I just don't know what you would what you would deem a shot. Does it have to be a shot on that where it hits the goalie or does it have to be a shot? I mean, how do you determine what's a shot? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of can of worms there. You know, is it a shot attempt? What if it gets blocked? I mean, there's all kinds of things that, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things they would still need to figure out, but they need to do something like the, the it's, it's, it was supposed to be exciting hockey and it's really more of kind of, all-star game hockey, like cruising around, like, oh, yeah, who we, we're mm. holding, the, we're possessing the puck, and yeah, we'll, hey, we'll, yeah. re, hey. we'll recircle and regroup, and now we'll come, and what? now, wait, no. Oh, right. I only got- three on threes turned into just like if you if you get it, you you might have it the whole time. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's that's not really what the essence, it's supposed to be an up and down fast pace. That's how it started, and it the team started to say, you know what? Let's possess the puck as much as we humanly can. Take take like only a can't miss kind of shot attempt, uh, and not just give the puck up freely. And that's not really what it's intended to be. It's intended to be an up and down kind of thing, and that's when it's at its best. So I like the half court situation. I like that keeps you in the zone willingly, you know, and uh, and you can't take it back out. So I I, I kind of like that thing. And it's also harder to change, you know, if a team's in there and. You know, you're trying to change. You can't just rag the puck around right? while your other teammates change. I mean, that, that creates a lot of different strategies. Sure. Um, all right. Uh, Brent Burns, Carolina Hurricanes, 248 goals, ninth most by a defenseman in NHL history. 
Brent Burns is a known offensive defenseman. Uh, was a good pickup for them. You know, I don't know if uh, it's going to help them win the cup eventually, but it was definitely a good pickup for them. He's a great power play defenseman, scores a tons of goals, had a 30-goal season, I believe, at one point. Um, you know, he's just a really good, has a great shot, good nose for the net, good offensive defenseman. Yeah, they've they've had pretty good offensive defensemen. I think he fits the style that Carolina likes to play, where they like to get it back to the points and then get shots through to the net and kind of crash uh, if they're not off the rush. So I think he fits well with their system. And, uh, you know, obviously scoring a ton of goals. I mean, he did it out in San Jose. He was with Eric Carlson there for a bit. And then uh, that was back when the Sharks actually had good teams. So, um, yeah, he, he's... Uh, He's uh, a really good defenseman overall. And, um, you know, I think he has a Norris too, doesn't he? He does, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah I so. Mean, I mean, Norris is really offensive driven too. So right. So, yeah, he had a Norris once, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's good, good player, good for him, uh, good for the Canes. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, so now we're going to go to five-minute major. And speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes, not the greatest start. They're back in a playoff spot. Uh, but barely right now. I think they're uh, just in front in the the third in the Metro, nine and seven, 18 points. Uh, they are tied with Toronto and Tampa Bay, so there's like a, a real log jam there at the wild card spot. And Jordan Stahl had this to say about his teammates. As a group, it just doesn't look like we've completely bought into how we want to do things, and it's going to look like that, Stahl said. It's going to be a 500 club that wins some games, loses some games, and kind of ho-hum. It's getting a little frustrating. We're going to need to have everyone. I have to be better. Our line's got to be better. Contributions from everyone. It's got to start soon. And Brenda Moore actually had some of those same types of comments to say about his team. At some point with the expectations of this team. I mean, it could it be time if they don't do it this year to move on from a guy like Rod Brindamore. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd move on from Brindamore, but I, I do a shake up within the lines probably, or, sure. or within the club. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the same core has kind of been there for a bit. Um, but maybe, maybe Brindamore does, you know, is on the hot seat cause you know, we've talked about it before, but you know, coaches in the NHL have a kind of a shelf life. And once you, mm-hmm. you know, hit a certain, uh, amount of time with an organization, they tend to tune you out after a while, sure. the players mm-hmm. tune you out. So if, if that's the case, you know, maybe they need to, to make a change. We'll see if kind of Carolina can respond here. And if they do, maybe, it isn't necessarily Brendan Moore, and it, maybe it's more on the players, which usually it is on the players. Coaches kind of take the blame for that when players aren't performing up to their capabilities. Sure. But, um, yeah, it, it could be time, time time for some kind of change in Carolina. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've been really trying to go, you know, sort of balls out, trying to get, making additions. Like we talked about Burns, and they had Pacioretty at one point. I mean, yeah. they've tried to go out and get – get guys and make additions and spend the money and, and really try to, to get a cup. And, um, you know, this is kind of the year where you think that, you know, maybe they do have to shake it up if it doesn't work. It's a curse um, of the Hartford Whalers. Can't yeah, be, can't be I mean, taking those, can't be, yeah. throwback thing. can't be leaning you know? on and leaning into that. The people of no. Connecticut have jinxed them, voodoo dolls, all kind of they shit. Have. People don't yeah. like it. They, they're hated in Connecticut. There's they are. no question about it. 
Um, all right, Jay Woodcroft was fired by the Oilers uh, and replaced by Chris Knobloch, who was the junior coach of one Connor McDavid. What a coincidence. That is, that, that is. is a coincidence. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Any relation uh, to Chuck, we... Chuck Knobloch? Yeah. Distant cousin? <laughs> Hopefully he could throw the ball a second <laughs> a little more effectively than than Knobber. But uh, where where do the Oilers go next? They have won three in a row. You know, by the grace of God, all of a sudden, yeah. when another coin can ink, all of a sudden they're winning. Uh, part of the Oilers' Woodcroft talk uh, from Jeff Merrick on Thirty Two Thoughts podcast was that Connor McDavid was legitimately pissed off, and he's had it, and it's he's like legit pissed. And uh, I think this is definitely a move where the Oilers are just trying to save McDavid from just a full mutiny. Yeah, they are. They are absolutely trying to save it from that. And and for him to want to stay in Edmonton when his next contract is up, uh, because if things tend to go in this direction for the next few years, you absolutely could see McDavid hitting the open market and and trying to go somewhere to win. Like he's, he's, he doesn't want to be stuck somewhere where he's not you know, playing for cops and challenging for cops. And if, if the, uh, the front office is, you know, bunch of imbeciles and, and, you know, not doing things the right way, then, you know, he's going to want to move on and he should want to move on. So you just fill the front offices with people who have worked with him before and could <laughs> sure. very well be complete yeah. fucking morons. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, I, yeah. that's the hire Caleb McDavid, you know, Colin McDavid, <laughs> all of them. Like just the Edmonton McDavid's. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it might as well be, it might as well yeah. be. No doubt about it. McDavid is that's actually asinine to be honest. Like you, you bring in, um, what is it? Jeff Jackson, you uh-huh. bring in Knobloch, mm-hmm. you know, everybody who has worked with McDavid previously, you bring in Connor Brown, who's played with him, uh, previously, you are just, completely catering the entire team to one person Mm -hmm. and at some point like that's just it's got to stop at some point right yeah what what does leon dreisel think of this i mean he's a great player and he's in the 1a to the one where are all the german coaches on the staff yeah right what's what's dreisel getting and if i'm dreisel i'm like look at i'm 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 almost as good maybe in some nights as good as this guy like i can carry my own team i can be my own guy you know maybe they start to maybe he starts to sour on it now you get two pissed off guys your two best players two of the best players in the world pissed off at your organization i mean it's just you know i don't know what this is the last straw though i mean if they don't if they don't win if they don't turn this thing around and they don't win then they're going to lose mcdavid or they're going to have to i mean now do you trade drysdale knowing that mcdavid might leave you and right. then you're left with nothing. Yeah. Like, I, so what do you do there? Yeah, I mean, you you start to get into a situation where the placating McDavid could rub the teammates the wrong way. You sure. know, if you, you get into a certain point where it's, you know, the hymens and the and the nurses and the dry sidles are looking around saying, well, why is he getting preferential treatment? I know he's right. a great player and our captain and all that, but mm. you know, w- you know, what's, what's in it for me? Where are my guys mm. where, you know, who's helping me try to try to improve and, and be better and win a cup here. You know, it's, it's, it's all about Connor. And at some point, you know, there's going to be some jealousy or some, some things happening in the room there that are, are going to, and maybe it's already there. Maybe it's already people are, you know, up in arms about it. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll see how that plays out down the road. But it, it's not it's not a great situation there in Edmonton now mm-hmm. with all the pressure they have uh, on those star players and on that organization to win. You know, they're a, they're a hockey, you know, market that's used to winning when they had Gretzky, they had four cups, you know, they, they're used to winning games and winning championships. And you go that kind of uh, length without winning anything, you know, it starts to wear on the fan base and, and the, you know, the people that cover the team and uh, it, it's going to end up being a bad situation for, for everybody involved. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And then we'll see what happens with Edmonton, but they have won three in a row since, and we'll see, if they can turn the thing around. Hey, about the New York Islanders and old man Lou Lamorello are out looking for a deal. Lou has been known to make some deals during the season uh, on some cup teams in the past, and he's scouring the market to see what is available via a scoring forward. Also of note, 32 Thoughts mentions Oliver Wallstrom, that he could be someone the Isles use as trade bait, 10 games, one, one goal, one assist. He did have a couple of double-digit goal seasons the last couple. Uh, he's been slow to get going this year. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the Islanders. But the Isles were a team that has slid down a little bit. It looked like a couple of years ago they were really up and coming and coming along and had a surprising year, uh, beat the Bruins in the playoffs one year. And now uh, seem to be mediocre and stuck in mediocre land. Do you think uh, that could be like a change of scenery trade where you swap out to Bruss for Wallstrom? Do you think that would be a win-win for both sides? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just see DeBrusk as a better player than Wallstrom. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. if we could get if you if the Bruins could get a second round pick or you know whatever with it, like something else with it, then maybe I'd explore it. But I mean, DeBrusk is a twenty plus goal scorer three times. Wallstrom is a you know his most is thirteen. You know he hasn't really been. I remember back when he was a kid in Portland, Maine, yeah. playing mini one on one. Yeah, had this ridiculous goal. Yeah, the lacrosse goal. Uh, sure, he was like a child prodigy yep. back then. The Wallstrom um, trade really screams, you know, like a a, a me- medium tier prospect who needs a change of scenery for another prospect with a change of scenery where uh, the Jake DeBrusque conversation there kind of gives me the feel of the old Dougie Hamilton trade when he went to Calgary, you know, right. Jake DeBrusque somewhere for two second round picks or something like that. Right. Well, could you right. get Wallstrom and you know, a second round pick or Wallstrom and something else from the Islanders for Jake, maybe. 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 I mean, I yeah, maybe. Um, I got a, I got a guy for you. How about Yakos Borl? <laughs> Let's get here's your, here's your middle prospect right there. Well, Jakobs Borl doesn't scream scoring forward. You could yeah. have been sold on Zach Senishin a couple of years yeah, ago. There you go. Jesus Christ almighty. Uh, all right, New York Rangers having a sneaky hot start. Artemi Panarin now has a 14-game point streak, which is, ties him with Rajil Bear in 72-73 for longest to start a season in Rangers history. The Rangers have been so good and not talked about at all. No, they haven't. They haven't been. No. And, and they've been a good team for a lot of years. But, you know, yeah. you talk about that division, all the talk has been about New Jersey and Carolina. And the Rangers are kind yeah. of an afterthought. Um, but they have everything you need there. They have a strong defense. They have great goaltending. And they have, a like, a really deep, fast forward core. Uh, so they have all the, all the pieces there to make a long, long run in the playoffs. They really do. Without a doubt. 
without a doubt. Most really of good. the uh, most of the metropolitan division, like um, Washington, a little bit, um, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, um, even Carolina. You know, they're like the the old folk with Parkinson's, right? Mm, it's the right. perpetual like falling forward but never right. actually falling right. um so everybody seems to be paying attention to that as like the the train wreck you don't want to you don't want to watch right. but you don't want to look away and then the rangers are quietly having a hot start and what's really surprising about that is one of the main reasons is not igor shesterkin it's jonathan mm-hmm. quick who the fuck would have thought yeah. who knew i know it and he's really come on and it's been a great pickup for them and you know he has a lot of experience and you know, you talk about tandems, obviously Swayman and Allmark are great, but that's a great tandem for the Rangers and they're really good. And it's just weird that a New York team would not, would be under the radar. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. they are for sure. Um, and uh, let me see. And then uh, Elliot Freeman also had this to say about the Dallas stars. And they're going to try to find the best defenseman they could find. That's my guess as to what they're going to do. So I think Kane would love to play there. I just don't know if the, fit is going to be there for Patrick Kane. Dallas will be looking for the best defenseman that can be had. Who do you think that is? Is does a guy like Zadorov go there? I mean he's not he's more of a third pair guy. I don't know yeah, who else pair. really is yeah. is available on defense. I mean I guess there's some other guys in Calgary there like Tanev and Hannafin that maybe are, are a little more uh top four guys. But yeah. um you know, I, I don't know who's available on defense. When guys, when teams have good defensemen, they're very reluctant to give them up. So um, usually it's for a third pair guy or, a, you know, a second pair guy that doesn't play many minutes, you know. So I don't know what kind of impact Dallas can make looking for a defenseman. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. if they swing some kind of a big hockey trade, they could pry, pry yeah. one away from somebody. But they'd have to give up something off their NHL roster to do that. And I'm not right. sure they'd be willing to, um, you know, with kind of their aspirations uh, going forward into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I've got Heiskin, who's also obviously really good. Yeah. And uh, Hannafin's been in a lot of talks about, sure. I mean, they've been trying to trade Hannafin, I think, for three years. I mean, I keep <laughs> hearing his name every, yeah. every deadline. Uh, he might be a decent fit for them. You know, I don't know. I, I think they might need more of a defensive defenseman. Uh, then Hannafin's more of an offensive kind of kind of guy, mm-hmm. um, not not a real hitter, not a real physical guy. So I don't know. I don't know who some of the teams that aren't very good and slipping down, slipping. You know, San Jose. Do they have anybody really? I mean, it's just there's just not a lot there, like Definitely you said, not. unless you make a hockey trade. And right. you know, may, do they explore trading like a Tyler Sagan? Or someone uh, who whose numbers have slowly gone down for a while. Now he's thirty one or wherever he is, thirty he's in his thirties. Like maybe that's a guy that they dangle. I don't I don't know. With the emergence of Robertson. Dallas is another good team. I mean, they're another under the radar kind of been and been a good team for a while. Um and a really close, I think, to especially if Edmonton's down and and some, you know, and, and the Pacific is basically Vegas and Colorado, and Colorado's up and down. Like maybe this is a year Dallas can slide in. Yeah, you know, I, I think we, you know, we talked about what the Rangers have as far as you know pieces to win a cup, and I think Dallas is a defenseman or two away, and that's probably why they're looking for them because their forward depth is there, and they have Ottinger and Net, who's you know really solid. So they they do need some help on on the defensive end to kind of maybe get over the hump against a team like Vegas that that's so deep everywhere. 
Right. My, no, no I think we're still about, you know, four to six weeks away from some teams really deciding like, hey, we're going to go for this playoff run or we're going to blow it up and try to get some draft picks and, you know, either retool or continue on with the rebuild um, and really make some trades. Right. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and as we wrap up, we did want to mention the John Butchercross interview that we had on Bruins Benders podcast. That's on the Inside the Rink YouTube page. Go ahead to Inside the Rink YouTube and uh, subscribe to that page. All sorts of great content. All the content made by our wonderful uh, talent slash producer Connor Green. Uh, so go ahead and uh, check that out for sure. We had Arda Ocal as well. And other great podcasts on the YouTube page for Inside the Rank. That'll do it for this week, and we will talk again very soon. Thanks a lot for listening. It's the Inside the Rank podcast. <laughs>